Hello, everyone. I am super excited about today's episode. We are talking about the most important thing you can do for conservation, the most important thing that you can do for wildlife, and it is so easy. People frequently ask me, what can I do? And this podcast, my blog, gives a lot of really great options. You can reduce your plastic waste. You can go zero waste. That's still something I haven't done I'd like to try. You can become vegan. You can reduce your air travel. All of those things make an impact, but nothing makes more of an impact uh, than what we are going to talk about today. It is the most important one, and it is probably my favorite one, honestly. But before we get started, I just wanted to mention that my book is out on pre-order. I am super, super excited about that, too. It's called Getting a Job in Wildlife Biology, What It's Like and What You Really Need to Know. And if you are at all thinking about a career in wildlife biology, and this book is meant for people of any age, even if you have a young one and you're a parent, you can still read it and help raise a future wildlife biologist. I actually get a lot of parents say that their that their young children want to become wildlife biologists. So this book is for everyone. And if you sign up for the pre-order, which is going on until September 24th, maybe even I might even release the book earlier. But go, you can get a free uh, bonus masterclass that I. I am offering on resumes, CVs, and cover letters for wildlife biologists. So if you go to uh, fancyscientist.com and look under the wildlife uh, biology section, or sorry, look under the career advice section, you will see a post that talks about this masterclass. So once you order on Amazon, on pre-order, you can then um, fill out to subscribe to this masterclass. You'll receive emails about it and you're gonna need your order number. Okay, I don't wanna keep the intro too long because I wanna get into the number one thing that you can do for conservation and wildlife. So let's get started on this topic. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. Okay, so let's just get into it. What is this number one thing that you can do for conservation, for wildlife? It is to vote. I am recording this episode at the end of August 2020, so we are a few months away in the United States from a very, very, very important election. I know people say this all the time, but honestly, this is really the most important election of of my life, most definitely. And I want you to vote in every single election. So every year there's usually an election, even in the odd years in the United States. And for every single office from the the smallest offices like school board, those are still incredibly important to the president when it is up for when it is on the ballot. 
Our individual actions for conservation definitely, definitely help. I I am not one to believe that I am just one person and it's not going to make a difference. I totally think that one person can make a difference. And when we um, do these single actions or when we do these individual actions like become vegan or reduce our meat, reduce our plastic, I also think it has an amplifying effect because lots of times you're talking about it or other people see you doing it and it can spread throughout the community and then hopefully throughout the world. But today, those actions are far smaller than what we accomplish by getting representatives in office that are pro-environment, pro-wildlife, pro-climate change. And you are voting for these issues every single election because you might not know it, but there are constantly things on the ballot from the city level to the state level to the federal level that affect wildlife. Even though there might not be a direct amendment or a specific bill coming up, our elected officials have direct impacts. Even if the whole entire year they're not voting on anything that has the word wildlife on it, it still affects wildlife and us as well. So some of those examples would be the Clean Air Act and clean water. And again, this happens at all different levels, from your local offices to the federal level. Everyone should care about clean water and clean air because these not only are great for wildlife, for the birds and animals living in the environment, the fish swimming in the streams, but we drink water and we breathe air. So even if you don't care about wildlife, which I know that's not true because you're listening to this podcast, this has important human consequences as well. So maybe that's a good point to bring up when you're talking to other people because Pollutants most definitely contribute to uh, cancer and to other diseases. There are many examples in the in the podcast on where I talked about changes to your diet. I talked to I talked about the health consequences of living near a hog farm here in North Carolina. So you can turn tune into that episode for some specifics on how pollution is affecting the health of the community that lives around those areas. Therefore, without elected officials that represent what we want, our pro-environment ideas and values, we won't get it, we won't get that change on the massive scale as we would our individual actions. So you really can't do one without the other. You have to do vote. Okay, so why don't people vote? We'll get into some more reasons later, but a lot of people think my vote doesn't count. What's what's the point of voting? And you might especially think this if you live in a state that is predominantly red or blue. So for those of you in other countries, we have two parties in the United States, two major parties, and one of those major parties always wins wins for the top level offices like Senate and presidency. And so maybe, and the colors red and blue represent those two parties, Republicans and Democrats. So maybe you're thinking, I live in one of those states. Like for example, I used to live in New York state 
and the Senate and the presidency, because New York City is so heavily uh, Democratic, it always goes towards um, the Democrat candidate. So New York will most definitely go to Joe Biden this 2020. And you might think, what's the point of voting? I know Joe Biden is going to win in my state. My vote doesn't count. But there are so many important local ballots on on your ballot or local offices on your ballot that are really important, really make a difference, and that are oftentimes well within thousands, hundreds, tens, even single votes. I live here in North Carolina right now, and I know 100% for sure that some of these offices for state senate and our our house are you sorry. Let me try this over again. Our state house districts are most definitely determined by a couple of votes sometimes, or even, like I said, a single vote. So even if you live in a state where you know that what's going to happen with the major offices, your vote is really still important at those local levels. And like I mentioned before, if you care about issues like water and air, those are things that are constantly being discussed by local officials. And actually, I just talked about the hog waste farm example in North Carolina. And that is something that a lot of residents, especially in that area, have been trying to to change. They've been trying to change those laws, the hog industry, to protect citizens more. So reducing some of the waste. And I'm not sure exactly what those laws entail, but really cutting down on the practices that are harming those citizens. And for the past several years, the the Republicans have been in charge and they have not passed any of those bills. We, they haven't been able to succeed in that area. So that is something that directly affects large communities in North Carolina, heavily poor communities. These communities tend to be people of color as well. So these are really important human issues that are on the ballot that affect wildlife and human health. And I think a really great example of how local offices matter, now this is a higher local office, but we saw this when our current administration decided to pull out of the Paris Climate Change Accord, which was a great disappointment to many people across the country. And a lot of states in response, even cities, decided that they would still hold to the accords agreements. They would still run their cities, run their states according to um, the agreements that the country set across the world to reduce their carbon emissions. So even though our president pulled out of the, the accord, States like California, which I think they have, California, I think has the highest GDP, even over countries in the world. I think it's like the, I want to, I might be wrong, I'm probably wrong on the number, but it's something like the fifth or fourth or something like that. So California is huge in itself. I just looked it up. Looks like California has the fifth largest economy in the world. So, 
even if the United States officially is not in the Paris Agreement, if California decides to uphold the agreement and states like New York um, decide to do that, that is huge because they have such huge economies on their own. So I really saw the importance of local elections when that happened a couple of years ago. Therefore, wildlife is always, always, always on the ballot. Another thing I'd like to add is that wildlife is managed at the state level. Each state has their own wildlife agencies and they are responsible for managing especially game species. That's how it started historically. But all of the wildlife, even um, non-game species, are managed at the state level. So a lot of people tend to think about probably the federal government because of their involvement with the Endangered Species Act and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. But like I said, most wild or all wildlife is managed at the state level. So even if a species is maybe waiting to be listed for the Endangered Species Act and it's not yet endangered according to the federal level, it can still be considered endangered at the state level and um, vice versa as well. I just Googled about this and I instantly came across this really interesting article in the conversation and I'll definitely link to it in the show notes, but it talks about how states are poorly positioned to assume the responsibility for endangered species protection. I'm quoting the article directly from that. And it says that state laws generally are weaker and less comprehensive than the Endangered Species Act. For example, West Virginia and Wyoming do not protect protect endangered species at all through in state law. And in 30 states, citizens are not allowed to petition for listing or delisting of a species. Wow. I mean, that is huge. So this is a great reason why you need to participate in your local government, because if you really care about endangered species and wildlife, we need to get some of that changed. So... Vote in every single election. Wildlife is always on the ballot. Side note, if you want to work on issues like that, you can always you can always write to your representatives, but again, they're going to be much more receptive towards you if you vote in somebody who is pro-environment and pro-wildlife. Okay, now I want to take some time to talk about how to vote. And this may sound really silly. Don't you just show up on election day and vote? Well, that's one thing. But I want you to think about what is your plan right now for this election? Because this year, you should always make a plan. But this year, it's a little bit different because we have COVID-19. Some people are very vulnerable to this virus, and they may not want to go to a polling place to to submit their ballot. So make a plan right now for what you are going to do. If your state has early voting options like North Carolina does, that is the best way to absolutely 100% make sure that your vote counts. And I'll tell you why in a few minutes. So in North Carolina, in October, early early voting stations open up early voting polling places. These are usually different than your regular polling place. And you can show up anytime during those hours 
and cast your vote. And if you are not registered to vote in North Carolina, you can actually register to vote on the spot while you and then fill out your ballot right afterwards. So you can do a two for one deal. That is the best way. And that's the way that I am definitely going to vote in person during early voting. If you do not want to vote in person because you are high risk for COVID-19 or you don't want to take a chance or you have just some other issue, you can definitely request absentee ballot and that is a really great option to do. I would highly, highly suggest that you request your absentee ballot today because there's a lot going on in the United States with the U.S. Postal Service potentially not getting funded and not getting funded adequately to be able to handle mail. I saw a clip on the news where there were packages from over a week ago that hadn't even been touched in terms of getting them to be sent out. So fill out your absentee ballot now and get it mailed in so that you can make sure that your vote is counted. If you're doing an absentee ballot, really make sure that you pay attention to the directions and do everything correctly. And this is the reason why I say that early voting is better than absentee ballots, because at least in North Carolina, a lot of people make mistakes on their absentee ballot. And if you make a mistake, then your vote isn't counted. So really make sure that you read the directions correctly. You have everything filled out that needs to be. You may even want to go over it with a friend or there might be, there probably is an organization in your state that can help you as well. In our state, it's You Can Vote. They are a great source, a nonpartisan organization that that only helps people register vote and and spreads information about what's on the ballot. They, again, are nonpartisan. It's just all about voting. If your state does not have early voting, you may also want to consider absentee ballots. Now, this depends on where you live. And if you've voted in the past, you might have an idea of how busy your polling station is. Every time that I voted here in North Carolina and actually Buffalo, New York and Missouri too, all the places I voted, I've never had to wait in long lines at all. But on the news, I've seen, especially with this year's primary, polling locations were closed because of COVID. And there were huge lines for people to vote. So if you live in an area where there aren't many polling places or you've experienced long lines in the past, then you may want to consider doing an absentee ballot now to make sure that your vote counts. There can also be problems on uh, voting day, on election day, with delays in machines. So absentee ballot is another really great option for you if that is your case. But if your state has early voting, definitely do that. Voting is the very basic, very easy thing that you can do. And and like I said, the most important thing you can do to help wildlife and conservation. But I know that you care more than the normal person, the regular person. So I am asking you to amp up your efforts and do more than just vote encourage other people to vote too. So I'm going to go through a bunch of steps that you can take 
to um, help increase turnout. I'm going to start from the easiest one and then go to the one that is um, more effort. But honestly, they're all really easy. And once you get used to doing some of these things, it's not so scary, not so hard. So first, let's talk about why it's really important to increase voter turnout, because right now across the country, many of our elected officials do not reflect the opinions of the majority of the public. And there's lots of different issues where this is true. There's lots of polls that show that. And if we want to have representatives that represent our values and that pass laws that represent our values, we need to show up. That is the main thing. A great example of this in action, it was in 2016 when Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by several million and Donald Trump still became the president because of the Electoral College. Even though a majority of the people in the country supported Hillary and therefore wanted the things that she stood for, we still have a different president. In most of the elections in the United States, over half of the people don't vote at all. I like when I see political posts on Facebook, people saying that I can't believe, you know, half of the country thinks this or something like that. I'm like, half of the country didn't even participate in the election. So it's even less of a percentage than what you're saying it is. So turnout for the United States is much lower than other countries. Why is this? Let's go over some of the reasons. Voting in the United States can honestly be challenging. For one thing, it happens during the work week on a Tuesday if you don't have early voting options. Here in North Carolina, you can vote on Saturdays and Sundays um, with the early voting options. But if you don't do that, you have to vote on Election Day, which is always a Tuesday. And if you are a working person, especially if you have kids, it can be difficult to get out and vote, especially if you have to wait in long lines. And some people do not have the luxury or a lot of people do not have the luxury of being able to take off from work to vote. So if you have young ones at home and you're a single mother, it might be really challenging, even impossible for you to get out and vote if voting on Election Day is your option. So, again, this is why it's important to think of a plan. And if that is your situation, then a great option for you, the best option for you would be absentee ballot. Another thing I just wanted to mention about absentee ballots, you don't need a reason, at least here in North Carolina, maybe check with your state to vote absentee. So you don't have to, usually with with absentee ballots, people think about they're traveling, they're not going to be in the country or they're not going to be in the state where they where their polling place is. So they would have to submit an absentee ballot, but you do not need a reason. And your reason could be COVID this year. Just say that you are a member who is more vulnerable and you don't want to take the risk with COVID. So people have to work. It can be challenging during the work week. A lot of people, like I said before, don't think that their vote counts. They don't think that their vote makes a difference, which is baloney. Your vote definitely makes a huge difference. Every single vote counts. Some elections for real are are 
overturned one way or another by single votes. And a lot of people, this is really hard for me to believe because I am such a person who cares so much, but a lot of people just like forget. It's, it's, they just don't care that much. And this is really especially true during elections outside of the the presidential years. So this year, turnout is definitely going to be increased just naturally on its own because it's a presidential election. But lots of people, yeah, they just they just forget they get busy. And it's just not on their radar. So we have to remind people to vote. That is the single or that is one of the best things that you can do in addition to voting yourself. I generally have a rule where I don't talk specifically about political parties. I don't like to advocate for specific candidates on my platform. I do it personally on my Facebook page. But this year, I am making an exception. And I want to say that because I really want wildlife to be for everyone. It is for everyone. I want conservation to be for everyone. And I want to speak to everyone. I am truly interested in talking to people from all walks of life, from all who believe in all different sorts of things. And I worry that if I frame something in a political context that people are going to ignore my other messages. I think that we all can find common ground on on at least one issue here. I have friends who have vastly different political views than me. I never defriend people on Facebook. I never block people. I always talk people to people who have opposing views to me with respect. I can give you one person's name that we completely have different views and I love to comment on his Facebook post. And he's a good friend of mine. So I am truly respectful of all different political views. The truth is, though, if you care about wildlife, if you care about conservation in this election, Democrat is the way to go. You just it's, it's just what it is. Republicans are largely climate change deniers. They're not taking action on the issue. And the Trump administration has been truly anti-environment, truly anti-wildlife, anti-conservation. And I will link to an article that summarizes all of the attempts of the Trump administration to dismantle our environmental protections. And he frequently calls it regulations. That's that's the terminology he uses to deregulate things related to business, so that you know the economy can be better, so that um, businesses can can do more things like extract oil or or build in certain areas. But those regulations are really protections. They are protections for wildlife, and they are protections for us. So stripping these regulations, removing these regulations really affects our health. It affects wildlife and it affects our health. And everything in this planet is truly interconnected. So once you start to affect the wildlife, we we lose some of the benefits that they provide. I can maybe do a different episode about this, about all of... It's what we call ecosystem services, but wildlife provides benefits that we don't even think about. 
so really obvious one is plants. They are absorbing carbon for us all the time. So having those large old growth rainforests intact is really important in absorbing um, carbon and helping us reduce and helping us reduce the effects of climate change overall. So why do we care so much about turnout? That brings me back to turnout because when more people turn out for elections, it tends to favor the Democratic candidate. And this is for up and down the ballot. Here in North Carolina, most people tend to be more left-leaning. There's a lot of people who are unaffiliated and a lot of people who are independent, and they tend to be left-leaning as well. So if we can encourage people to vote, especially those people who don't normally vote, then it is likely going to be favor the Democratic candidate. So that's why that's why um, increasing turnout is so, so important. And quite honestly, it's one of the reasons why Republicans try to make voting so difficult. I've seen this happen in North Carolina. They've done things like try to shut down early polling locations, early voting polling locations, trying to get early polling locations removed from universities because students tend to get busy and they forget to vote. So if it's really easy for them to vote on campus or there's a there's a polling location on campus, they'll be like, oh yeah, I should vote. I, I'll, I'll remember to vote. So taking away those locations really can reduce turnout. Last year, North Carolina passed a law to have photo ID for voting. And they did so in the name of voter fraud. In actuality, there is very little voter fraud that happens. In order for one to to tamper with votes by pretending there's somebody else, it, w- it would need to be such a coordinated effort on such a large scale for it to make even a difference. And the penalty is so harsh that people just don't do it. It is, it's, it's, it's less than, I know it's less than 0.1% of voter fraud in the country. So it's really a non-issue. But we still have this on this ballot where people want to protect the votes and it passed. You need, you were supposed to need a photo ID this year, but it is not going to be enacted because it challenged, was challenged in courts as being a barrier to voting. So we are not having it this year. And a lot of people say, well, who doesn't have photo ID this year? Well, actually, in North Carolina, it's about 10% of the population. A big population is students. So if you are in college, you might not need to drive. If you live in downtown Raleigh, you might not have never have needed to drive. And actually, a lot of people are, are driving a lot less and less today. So maybe you don't have a driver's license. And for our requirement, some they wouldn't allow some photo IDs for some universities. So if you can't drive, you don't have a passport, you are not going to have a photo ID. I also met a woman recently. She's the person I got my puppy from. And she didn't have a bank account. She got paid through these debit cards. These like those um, or those preloaded credit cards. She didn't have a debit card. She didn't have a driver's license. So she doesn't have photo ID. 
if people are born outside of a hospital, they don't necessarily have a birth certificate to get photo ID. And this happens a lot in more rural communities. So it's a lot, it happens a lot more than you would expect. And although they did provide free photo IDs for people, you still need to figure out an arrangement to the place that gets where you can get the photo ID taken. So you're going to need some sort of transportation. Again, these people probably don't or they don't drive because if they did, they'd have a photo ID. They don't drive. So they need to get somebody to take them um, as a ride, which can be complicated. It can be costly. So these are just barriers that um, make it harder to vote. Okay, so your job is to help me increase voter turnout. And again, I said I'd start with the easy stuff first. So start to make a plan with your friends and family. I want you to reach out to at least three people and make sure to follow up with them. Ask them if they are registered to vote. Ask them what is their plan for voting. Give them my recommendations of doing early voting first, then absentee ballot if they're in a busy area or they can't go in person, and then finally going in election day. But make sure you follow up with them and make a plan with them to vote. So do that to at least three people. The more you can do it to, the better. Another great way to help people in this election is become is by be you becoming more knowledgeable yourself and spreading that knowledge. And I mean knowledge about the candidates. So if you share this information on social media, then people tend to see you as a reservoir of this knowledge. And when they are trying to decide who to vote for, especially in those local elections and those local offices, when they don't even know what the office does or who that candidate is. People just sometimes like randomly pick a name. They don't know who they're voting for. So if you can be a source of information and they see that you know stuff, they can come and ask you like, who are you voting for? Who should I vote for? I, I trust you and I trust your opinion. How do you get that knowledge? A great way is candidate meet and greets. So normally those are done in person, but we live in COVID times right now. So a lot of those are being done virtually, which is actually great because it really makes it easier for you. You can listen to the candidates speak while you're exercising, while you're cooking, doing something else. So go to the candidates' websites and and look for those events and Usually they'll have um, a little small introduction about themselves and then they'll open themselves up to questions. So it is a really great way to get to know these people. And then you, you get to know them as people. So you don't just see their faces. If you go, of course, going to their website is great and reading about them. I highly recommend that too. But Getting to see these people and hearing their stories. I went to a candidate meet and greet for Jessica Holmes here in North Carolina and hearing her story. She had such a great story about, I can't remember if it was her grandmother or her mother was injured working in a meatpacking facility. And now she is such, she's she's running for um, the commissioner of labor and she is such a strong advocate for laborers because of witnessing the injury witnessing that injury and what her family member had to go through. So when people talk to me, I'm going to be like, she is an excellent candidate to vote for. You know, she is such a great person, has such great values, really get to know those people. And like I said, spread this knowledge on social media, share these events, and get to be a hub of information. 
You can also volunteer. So you can um, help register voters. This is something I have been doing year round since 2018. I volunteer with a nonpartisan organization and I simply just help people register to vote. Now, with COVID going on, this might not be possible in person, depending on what your rates are like, where you live. So I know here in North Carolina, our organization is doing is helping people register online to vote. So there's a system where you can register completely online and you can volunteer to call people, see if they're registered. If they're not registered, help them register online. Again, it's not always a really straightforward process. Some of the buttons are kind of buried, so it can be kind of difficult to find where that is. So you can be a volunteer and help people with this. And it is honestly so, so satisfying. When we were doing this in person, I talked to somebody who was in their 50s and they had never voted before. And they were a little hesitant to vote, but I said, you know what, you can always register and then and then decide to vote later on. And so I got him registered and it was just, I don't know, it was just like such an exciting moment to get somebody to register because that gives them power. They get a choice then in their government and who represents them. So that is a really great way for you to help and I think a lot of people are worried about volunteering because it is a little it is a more hostile environment in politics in the United States. And one of the great things about working with a bipartisan or a nonpartisan organization is that you don't have to talk politics at all. So if you're just out there registering voters, working for one of these organizations, you are actually not allowed to talk politics. So you are just there to register voters. So it is very non-confrontational. If you want to take it some more step, some other steps further, this is also another really easy way to help encourage people to vote. You can write letters. There is an organization called Vote Forward. Just Google them and you should be able to find them. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. And you can write letters to voters in states, in swing states, important states. So like here in North Carolina, it is so easy to do. You just download the letters and they you are encouraging them to vote. So there's a basic letter structure and then there is a white space that says, I, you know, I really, I am voting for this reason. And then you fill that out and then you encourage them to vote as well. So just a few sentences about why you think it's important to vote. You can write whatever you want. And then these letters are sent just a couple of days before election day to remind people to vote and encourage them to vote. This has been researched. This is effective. And this is obviously not confrontational at all. You you can put your name on the letters, but you don't have to. They give you a return address that is not your address. So they nobody will know where you live or anything. And you can even do letter writing parties. This is something that I was doing before COVID hit. And now we've switched to doing it virtually, but I'm going to actually see if I can do some outside with masks and with social distancing because it's, it's a great way to interact with people. And if I'm there to print all the letters, bring all the envelopes, people and people help bring envelopes and stamps and stuff, but even just printing out the letters, it makes it easier for people. And you set aside that time 
to work on the letters. So it's just a really great way to get a lot of letters done um, quickly and, and more fun. Another thing you can do is phone banking. So this is a little bit more intimidating for people. And in a normal election year, I would say canvassing, but none of the groups that I am working with are canvassing right now because of COVID. You never know whose house you're going to go to if they're more vulnerable. So right now we are not canvassing. It doesn't look like we'll be canvassing at all in this election. So phone banking is the next best thing. And depending on who you're phone banking for, if you are doing it directly for a candidate, you're probably going to talk to that person about the candidate and um, encourage them to vote. I think people think that phone banking is intimidating, but you're... I with phone banking and with 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 canvassing, I have never been sent to random people's doors. You are always going to. So if you're doing this for the Democrats, which are more pro environment, more pro wildlife, you are going to be speaking to people who have voted Democrat in the past and maybe independents and unaffiliated. And usually you're asking them a couple of questions. A lot of times they are benign questions like, do you plan on voting in the 2020 election? If so, who do you plan on voting for if you if you want to share that with me? And they give you a script. So a lot of times it's conversational. You just don't go up and ask them. You you talk to them a little bit about a couple of things, but really a lot of it is just listening to people. And you're not necessarily persuading them, especially if they are on one side. You're not doing any hardcore persuasions. You're definitely not getting any arguments. It's really a lot of listening and just collecting some data about them. And a lot of people, especially with COVID going on now and doing phone banking, have been thankful because they've they've actually said, thank you so much for doing this work. It is so important. And a lot of people are happy to talk on the phone because they've been cooped up. A lot of people are really frustrated right now with what's going on in our country and they need someone to talk to. You're also providing information to them. So if I'm calling somebody about a local office, chances are they don't know about that local candidate. And I can say, let me tell you some things about this candidate. Or what is what is the top issue that you care about? And then I can talk about what our candidate cares about within that issue and what is their plan for it. So again, it is, it's not that difficult to do. Once you get over that hump of, I'm going to start calling people. And trust me, I know, I hate, I actually hate talking on the phone. I really, really do. Even to my friends, even to people that I love, maybe my family, my family is the only one I'm not intimidated by, but I don't know. I have this like weird thing with phones where I hate talking on the phone. And although I'm a millennial, I am one of the youngest millennials. I'm like one of the first millennials. I'm, some people actually don't consider me a millennial. So I didn't grow up with like texting or anything. I grew up talking on the phone. But anyway, side note, just I hate talking on the phone. But I have to. This is such an important election. This is such an important issue. I have been canvassing since I lived in Missouri. I helped out with Obama's presidency and Claire McCaskill when she was senator there. I've gone knocking on doors, talking to lots of different people. And I've had very, very few negative experiences. The worst, honestly, that happens is like people hang up on you or say, no, thank you. People don't really rant at you or anything like that. And if you do, you can just say thank you so much for your time and just hang up. Not a big deal. 
And then the last way that you can help out in this election is by helping out actually on election day or in poll greeting. Now you can volunteer to help out with the election itself. But I really recommend doing poll greeting. And what poll greeting is, is like I mentioned, a lot of people don't know about their local offices. So when you poll grate, you are in front of the polling location. They have a distance where you can stand. You cannot go closer because you you can't harass voters. So you have to maintain a certain distance from the polling location. And you're basically there to provide information for people who are not sure who to vote for, but they still want to vote and in in my case, when I volunteer, more democratic. And we usually have what are called slate cards with a list of all the candidates and the ones that 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 our party supports. So this is a really great way to help out. In North Carolina, you can do poll greeting ahead of the election. So there are lots of early polling um, locations or early voting locations where you can help do this. And again, this is really, really important work. During COVID, we are taking extra precautions. We we probably will still have slate cards that we hand out, but obviously we won't touch them. And uh, we're likely going to have information in a picture frame so people can just take a picture of it. And of course, people will be, will be wearing masks. There'll be lots of hand sanitizer. So I've been talking, wow, I always talk a lot. I've been talking about this for 45 minutes, but this is such an important issue to me. And it should be to you if you care about animals, wildlife, conservation. Just let's get out there. Let's get get going. Now is the time to do it. We have September, October, and just a little bit of November. So look up in your state, the local Democrats, help out with a campaign, volunteer. Swing Left is a really great organization that I have been volunteering with with for a long time. Vote Forward, all of those organizations are great to volunteer with. And you can make a really big difference even if you don't have the time. I know a lot of us are busy. With Vote Forward, you can adopt like five letters. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just try, see if you can do five letters a week or five letters for the month. Just set a low bar and every little bit helps. So thank you guys so much. And I hope you like this episode. I always look forward to hearing from you. Please give me feedback. Have an amazing day and be nice to each other always and be nice to animals. Thanks guys. Bye.